Welcome to the Eagle Naz Church Podcast. My name is Bree, and thanks for joining us. We hope that the next 30 minutes helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and that you will see how God wants to move in your life. Thanks for listening. So it was his first day at Grand Rapids Community College. He's not a pastor, not a teacher, not a spiritual leader at this time. He's a student. As our our guest preacher today, as he walked around the corner, there was a man with a megaphone. The sign he held was a great big one that said, you're headed for hell. And the megaphone was, uh, you're going to hell because of your sin. And he was uh, yelling at a gal who was cowering and crying because he was saying to her, you're going to hell. Our guest ran up and stole the megaphone and the sign from him and ran across the, the, the courtyard area. And Steve Carter, who you're going to hear from, started yelling at the gal and said, you're a wonderful person. Jesus loves you. And he can make a way for heaven. And the police came and said, young man, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to arrest you for inciting a riot. Isn't that awesome? And so I'm thankful today that for all of his life, or for the most part of his life, Steve Carter has had a heart of grace and displays the love of Jesus Christ to the world around him and around us and he's come to share that heart with us today. Isn't that wonderful news? Uh, he, he was teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church, wonderful church that probably many of you have heard about. And now he goes around and touches people with God's message about how to live the invitational life. Steve, come and minister to us. Let's welcome Steve Carter today. Thank you. Ah, oh, so good. <clears throat> Man, what a gift, what a gift. Uh, Pastor Tim, Pastor Melody, thanks so much. Uh, just opened up their home, and uh, I mean, many of you know this. Pastor Tim, he's not a big football fan. Uh, Pastor Melody is. I mean, she, she's like cover two defense, like she knows it all. And, uh, uh, but we watched Michigan beat Notre Dame yesterday, and all God's people said amen. And uh, so it's just great. It's fantastic. I, 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 um, I, a couple years ago, invited, unbeknownst, uh, two people from your church to my church that I used to be at in Chicago. Um, you know who these two guys are, Patrick and Justin, the I'll push you dudes. And, and, they, and I just connected with them. And I, I mean, like, I, I really, really was moved and deeply inspired by, by these two. And um, they never invited me to their home, but it's cool, or to their church, but it's cool. Like I, I, I you know, I told Patrick that uh, last service, but uh, I invited them to, to ours, but it's cool, it's cool, it's totally, totally fine. But uh, a couple um, months ago, uh, Pastor Melody reached out, invited me, and uh, I was like, this is where Patrick's at? Oh my goodness, Justin, I, I'm in. And, and, and then I met Pastor Carly a couple months ago as well, and at a, at a preaching class, and it was just fantastic, and just been following along, and um, you're an amazing community. Uh, it's just a really, really special community. So Pastor Tim, thanks for all that you're doing. Seriously, it's a real, it's a real, real gift to be here. So here we thank Pastor Tim. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
how does it feel to live in the state that everybody's moving to? It's like everybody leaves Illinois. Where are you going? Idaho or Colorado? That's like where it is. 40,000 people moved to the greater Boise area last year. Uh, show of hands, how many of you have moved here in the last five years? Awesome. That's amazing. How many of you are here on a scouting trip and plan to move here in six months? <laughs> Okay, all right, all right, all right. That's amazing. But I'm telling you, like, people move here, and, and, and you, I, love, I love, like, asking people, like, why, why, why Idaho? Why Idaho? Like, what is it, you know? And people are like, beautiful, it's cheap, taxes are great. Like, what else? Freedom. Yeah, they're like, open country, freedom, you know? Anything else? Why else do you move here? Price, people, yeah, oftentimes you'll have friends who move here, family, and they're like, it's awesome, leave Chicago, and then they, they do, you know, and it's, it's amazing. Uh, but I'm telling you what, like, that means that everywhere you go, you could be standing in line at, in, I don't know, Starbucks, and someone standing right beside you could have just moved there in the last six to eight months. 40,000 people, and they're expecting even more in 2019 and more in 2020 that are moving into this area. I mean, 24 years ago when this church was, began, this city of Eagle was 3,000 people. Now it's almost 20,000. And it's just, it's just growing. And people want to be in this area. And I'm just here to tell you that God has opportunities for you. God has moments for you if you'll let him use you. And what I want to do today is I want to walk you through a story that I think is really, really familiar. Many of you know this story, but what I want to do is I want to show you this story from a different angle, a different character's perspective. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 22, and it's Paul telling his story. Paul was also known as Saul uh, for much of his life, but Paul's telling his story. And in this one part where he's telling how he came to faith, he mentions a man that's maybe mentioned a dozen times total in scripture, but a man who changed everything for him. He says this in chapter 22, verse 12, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a, a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. There was this man named Ananias who came to see him and he was devout. He followed the, the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He knew it. He knew it by heart. And, and, and what we learn about Ananias is something really, really special. And I believe that in this room today, there are some everyday Ananiases. People who want to be used by God. People who want to have only God's stories. People who want to live a life of faith. And people who want to invite others to the greatest story ever told. Let's look at the, the chapter of Acts 9, and let's learn more about this man named Ananias. Not the one who stole money from the church, that's a bad dude, but this other Ananias who changes everything. Verse 10 says this, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. In Damascus, which is 150 miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem's like the city where the temple is. And 150 miles away. There is this small gathering of people and there is this man by the name of Ananias and, and the word that they say is a disciple. In Hebrew, it's this phrase Talmudim and a Talmudim is someone who has high desire and high devotion to be like their rabbi. And Ananias wanted to be like his rabbi Jesus. 
And 150 miles away, God meets him in a vision and so beautifully calls him by name, Ananias. And I love it. Ananias quickly responds, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I'm just here to tell you that the supernatural activity of God begins when you say yes to his whispers, yes to his promptings, yes to his invitations. And I believe that God is everywhere and God is on the move and God wants to use people like you and me. And I love this moment when God whispers Ananias, Ananias just says, yes, Lord. Have you ever had one of those moments where God maybe has prompted you in the marketplace, prompted you in your neighborhood, prompted you in your school, and you just had one of those moments that I think this is God. A number of years ago, I happened to be in Bujumbura, Burundi. I was in Africa and I, 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 we had raised all this money here in the U.S. And what we were doing is we were going to fund some kind of uh, loans for some women so that they could start some businesses. And we believed that if we could give this money and empower these women, they would bless their families, they'd bless their city, they'd bless their church, they'd bless their country. The problem was we weren't given government clearance by three officials. And so I fly into Bujumbura, super late at night, wake up, I'm just tired and I go to this meeting. It's led by this incredible business person. And, and this person's just looking for one great idea to how we can get one of these three government leaders to give us permission so that these funds can be given to these women. None of us have a good idea. And like a great business person doesn't want to waste time. He just says, you all have no good ideas. I'm dismissing you. And you're going to come back at dinner time, 7 p.m. with one good idea. If you don't have a good idea, you got to understand what's at stake. All of this money will not go to this, these women. So better come back with one good idea. I pick up my backpack. I walk away. I look at my friend. I'm like, what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to take a nap. And I was like, God does speak in dreams. That's biblical. And so uh, I go into my hotel room. And, and I just have this weird sense where God says, go for a run. And, and who likes to run? Like, it, it can't be God. Like, I'm like, just go for a run. Like, I don't want to go for a run. And I'm just like, is this God? And I just feel like this real strong sense. And so I go, yes, Lord. I put uh, some basketball shorts on. And I just start to run. I'm making a right, running downtown, passing UN vehicles, making a left. I've never seen Bujumbura. I flew in late that night before. I, I, I've never seen it. I'm running. I probably ran, a, a, I don't know, a mile or so. And I get downtown to the, the city center and there's this park and there's about 500 people around a basketball court and I just go and I stand there and I'm just kind of watching the game and all of a sudden a guy walks up to me and pokes me and goes hey you good I'm like yeah yeah I'm all right man you he goes no you good in basketball I'm like I'm okay he goes no no no. if I choose you do we win <laughs> uh here's the thing I I, I I, he doesn't know. I, I played college basketball. Plays not the right word. Uh, I sat the bench, but I got free shoes. Um, but I got, I, I, I'm sitting there. I've scouted. I'm like, I'm, I'm watching this thing. I'm like, oh, here's the thing. Like, if you choose me, I think we do pretty good. He goes, okay. Hey, you, you're out. You're in. I'm like, what? Who is this guy? And so I stretch, and all of a sudden, for the next 90 minutes, we go 6-0. and oh. We get done, and they bring us a basket filled of Burundi dollars. I didn't know I had joined the BBA, the Burundi Basketball Association. But I did add that to my LinkedIn account. But uh, I get done and this guy comes up to me and he goes, hey, uh, tomorrow, same time, championship game. And I'm like, I don't think I can play. He goes, why not? I'm like, well, I got these meetings that I'm here for. With who? Well, here's the deal. We raise all this money. 
But we're like, we're trying to get it to these women, but there's like this struggle because these three government officials won't like, like give us clearance. He goes, what are their names? And I, I rattle off the three names. He goes, I'm the second one. <laughs> Which my response is, check your email, bro. Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I got a deal for you. Tomorrow, you come, you play, we win game, I take meeting. It's like, this is fantastic. So I don't have the mercy gift. So I'm going to show up at 7 p.m. dinner with my one good idea. And it's called basketball. Because that is the Lord's game. And so I'm sitting and I'm listening to all these people share their stories. Like, we should get up early and like maybe catch them before they get their office. I'm like, bad idea. And finally, like, what do you think? And I say, and I tell them the story. And they say, and the guy leading the meeting goes, you get up from this meeting right now. You order whatever you want from room service. You just win this game. <laughs> the country is on the line. <laughs> so dumb. But it was so amazing because the next day we win the game. They take the meeting. Money goes to the women. Why do I tell you that story? Because it's so weird. <laughs> and it's only God. And here's what I need you to understand is God has these only God stories for you. I need you to know this, that every moment, every environment, every classroom, every restaurant, every house, every place that you enter, God's already there. And if God's already there, then that moment in that place is brimming with redemptive potential. And God wants to use you. And what he's looking for, young and old, is for people to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I hear you. Yes, Lord, use me. And this is what Ananias does. And so beautifully, it's, it's incredible. The Lord tells him, verse 11, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. I mean, in this moment, You've got Ananias saying, yes, Lord. And then God says, all right, here's what I want you to do. Gives him instruction. Gives him direction. Gets his attention and then leads him to where he needs him to go. And this is incredible because I could tell you story after story after story of people who had the faith to say, yes, Lord. And then God gives them a little insight of what he wants them to do. A number of years ago, there were some business leaders. And they were, they were just really influential business leaders in Chicago. They were commercial real estate agents. And if you know much about the commercial real estate business in Chicago, it is cutthroat. They don't like each other. They are trying to undercut one another. And these commercial real estate agents, God began to move in a couple of their lives. And all of a sudden, one of these men began to have this sense like God's wanting to do something. And there was this female leader, she's incredible, and she had this sense, and she tells this guy, hey, I think what we need to do is put on a dinner at Christmas time and invite all of the commercial real estate agents in Chicago to, and we're just going to tell them the gospel and hopefully get them in a course to like learn more about Jesus. And this guy's like, no way. There's no way. Like, who, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, they just start praying about it. And a couple of other people, a couple of other women and men leaders in the commercial real estate, they get a team of eight. And the first year they do it, 200 people show up. Last year, I went to it, 
there were 2,000 commercial real estate agents in the greater Chicago area that showed up. All because one woman had this prompting. And all of a sudden you hear the story of the gospel. You're seeing men and women say yes. And the whole trajectory of their stories are beginning to change. Because someone heard this whisper. Someone heard this prompting. And this is the amazing thing. Is God wants to get your attention and then give you direction. But sometimes he's going to lead you to places that you don't necessarily want to go. And look what it says. Verse 13. Lord Ananias answered. I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to all who call on your name. He's like, hey, God, I know you created everything. I know you got everything in your control, but maybe you haven't been watching the news. Do you know who this man is? I mean, he killed Stephen. Like, why would you kill a guy named Steve? Right? And he's like, he's like, this guy's come 150 miles on horseback, and he's coming here to arrest us, maybe to beat us, maybe to kill me. And like, you want me to go see him? What? Really, God? I don't know if you've had these moments where maybe God has whispered to you and you said yes, and then he said, I want you to call that friend. I want you to invite that coworker. I want you to have that conversation with that teammate or that classmate. I want you to engage with this person. And in your mind, you're thinking that can't be God. In your mind, fear is taking over. In your mind, you're going, there is no way that this person would ever say yes. A number of years ago, I found myself in Palestine. And I was in Bethlehem, which is Palestinian territory, and I was leading a trip um, of people from California, a peacemaking trip. We're going to Israel, we're going to Palestine, taking them to the holy sites, working on some peace deals. And, and I, I, it was super late at night, 1 a.m., and our hotel's Wi-Fi was down, so I couldn't connect with my family. And right across the street from the hotel, there was this hookah lounge that had free Wi-Fi, and I thought I would just stand outside and steal free Wi-Fi. And so I'm there walking across the street, and in the corner of my eye, I see four Palestinian soldiers in fatigues with massive guns. And we're about a three iron away from the security barrier that, that kind of separates Israel from Palestine. And on top of the tower, there was an Israeli soldier who had a gun drawn on those four soldiers. And as I'm walking across the street, I hear this prompting and whisper from God, go talk to the soldiers. And my response was, no, I'll take free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and God was like, no, go talk to them. How do you start a conversation with Palestinian soldiers? Hey, it's a beautiful night here in Bethlehem. What's your name? And they introduce themselves. They ask my name. I say my name's Steve. One of them goes, man, your name's Steve, like my favorite U.S. actor. I'm like, yeah, what's, what's, who's that? He's like, Steven Seagal. And, and literally out of my mouth, I was like, God can use all things for good. And uh, we start talking, and, and, and little by little, we, we have this interaction. I think they live in Bethlehem, but they tell me they live in Balada. And I'm like, no way, you live in Balada? Balada's a U.N. refugee camp where 37,000 people live in 1.3 square miles. They live on top of each other. I said, hey, would you give us a tour? They said, yeah. I said, great, just don't bring your guns. They said, okay. So all of a sudden, when they give us this tour, there's two days later, and we're there. And they walk us around for about 90 minutes. We get to the city gate. And I, I show them, I go, hey, hey do, you know, do you know what this, this, this building over here is? They said, no. I'm like, you've never been there. They said, no. I said, it's a church. You've got to understand these Palestinian soldiers are, are non-practicing, Arab, Palestinian 
Muslims. Never been to this church. I said, you got to come with me to this church. They said, okay. They walk into this church. We go down to the basement. The basement is all like Byzantine, like marble. It's beautiful. And there is this well. And this well is a sacred well because in John chapter 4, the scripture said that Jesus had to go to Samaria, which he didn't because no rabbi went to Samaria. Jesus wanted to go to Samaria. And at Samaria, he meets a woman, a Samaritan woman, and has a conversation at the well. And this is that well. And you can still bring up water. It's like everything I dreamed Dasani water to be. And it's so good. And I start talking about desire because that's what John 4 is about, desire. And I said, man, for some of us, we desire peace or in Hebrew, it's shalom. Or, or, and that's like the world becoming right and one with, with heaven and earth together. And, 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 and in Arabic, it's the word salam. And I just say, don't we all have these desires and Jesus is saying he is the fulfillment of our desires. He is the living water. Does anybody want to take a drink from that? We start to bring up the water. And, and I'm just thinking the people from California are going to come and take from the well. And actually one of the people that were on that trip were at the morning service. And she, after the service, was like, I was there. And all of a sudden what was so amazing is the first people to come forward were those three Palestinian soldiers. And they came forward and they drank of the water and we had this moment of praying and they said yes to Christ. And one of them gave me like his necklace and another one was like, I have nothing to give you except my senior picture. And I was like, I don't need your senior picture, buddy. You keep that. He's like, no, never forget me. I said, I won't. This is amazing. When I was a kid, like I wanted the superpower to be able to read people's minds. And then they created Facebook. I don't need that anymore. And like, but the only redemptive act of Facebook is that I got to stay connected to these Palestinian soldiers and to see how God is working in their life. And what's incredible is I was looking for free Wi-Fi and God was looking to expand eternity. You walk into Starbucks and you're looking for coffee and God's looking to expand eternity. You walk into the marketplace and you might be looking to kind of advance Q3 or Q4 and God's looking to expand eternity. You walk onto your field or your, your cafeteria at school and you might be thinking, I'm just here to like waste time. And God's looking to expand eternity. God wants to give you only God's stories. The question is, will you let him use you? And in this moment, Ananias, like so many of us are like, God, I don't, I don't know if I should go there. It might be too risky. It might be too dangerous. Like, I'm not sure I should do this. And look how God responds, verse 17. Then Ananias went, uh, verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we zoom in and we see the differences. I saw the Palestinian fatigues. I saw the guns. I saw the difference. God saw what's possible if their hearts were surrendered to Jesus. Sometimes we see someone's past. Sometimes we see the labels that any, somebody else has placed on that person. And you know what? We zoom in like Google Earth. Just zoom in. But like God zooms out like Google times infinity and goes, I know who this person can be if my son and my spirit is at the core of their existence. And this is what we have to awaken our minds and hearts to is to have God's vision. And what's so beautiful is verse 17, then Ananias went. He gets it. And he's willing to go. And he goes to the house and he enters it. 
placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. I wonder if Saul wondered if anybody would show up. He was a murderer. He beat people. He imprisoned good people. And I bet he's just sitting there and the, the Bible will later tell us that he hadn't eaten for days. And I'm wondering, will somebody show up? And I'm here to tell you there are people in your high schools, there's people in college, there's people in the marketplace, there's people in your neighborhood and they're wondering, will the church show up? And they're wondering, there's nobody who's going to show up because of my past. There's nobody who's going to love me because of my story. There's nobody who's going to interact with me because of my pain. There's nobody who's going to love me because of what I did, did once before. And this is that moment where it was so beautiful is that Ananias went and he places his hands on his shoulder and goes, brother, God sees you. And the scales just fell. And you remember those moments when God saw you? When you felt seen and known by God? I, I had a couple of interns a couple years ago. We flew to California. I was speaking at a church and then we had a, a day off and then we were going to do some more speaking and we went to Barnes and Noble, then we were going to go to the beach, and, and, and I said, hey, pick out a book, it's on me, and so we're walking through the business section, leadership section, Christian living section, and I had two interns, this 21-year-old and this 25-year-old, and 21-year-old uh, ends up going to another uh, aisle, and I overhear him a few minutes later say, um, are you finding what you're looking for? I hear this woman say, No. And then I hear him say, what are you looking for? And she says, a book on grieving. And then he goes, what are you grieving? And she says, ah, a few months ago, my 21-year-old son died. And then he goes in his mind, I don't know what to do here. This is over my pay grade. And he goes, um, I don't have an answer, but I have a friend who might. He comes to me and goes, hey, she lost her son. I'm like, I know I heard. She can hear you too now. Um, <laughs> I walk over there and uh, we, we just start talking. And I, I know this amazing book, Colors of Goodbye by September Vaudry. She, uh, she wrote about her daughter passing. And it's an unbelievable book. So we recommend that. My other interns are standing there completely mute, doesn't say a word. And um, so we just look for it. We can't find it. So we're like, hey, can we just pray for you? Order it on Amazon. And so we just have this moment of prayer. And 21-year-old prays. My mute intern doesn't pray. And then I pray. <laughs> And I say amen, and, and right when I say amen, the mute intern goes, there it is. And I'm like, what? Well, there's the book. I'm like, what book? Well, the book like you're all like looking for. And I'm like, you were praying with your eyes open. Uh, guilty. You know, <laughs> it's just like, and we go and we pull this book out and we like hand it to this woman and this woman just starts crying. And this is the first things that she says. She goes, I feel like God sees me in my pain. I'm like, he does. He really, really does. And she ends up leaving. I see this 21-year-old intern. I'm like, man, why did you ask that woman that question? He goes, I just saw her looking in the aisle that said grieving and trauma. Just thought I'd ask if she's finding what she's looking for. And I'm like, we are going to start a subversive Barnes & Noble ministry right in that aisle. I'm going to ask that question. Who knows what God is going to do? I just love it. This story is so powerful. But the question that I often find myself asking when it comes to Ananias is, what if Ananias said No. What if Ananias, when God prompts him, he said no? I mean, let's just be honest. Saul, we know, becomes Paul. Paul writes half of the New Testament. Books like Romans, Ephesians, 
Philippians, Colossians, Galatians. I mean, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. I mean, all of the wisdom that we have, can you possibly fathom us not having it if Ananias said no? Now, some of you might be going, well, maybe God would have gone to somebody else. If Ananias said no, maybe God goes to somebody else, but what if they say no? And then God goes to someone else, and what if she says no? And then God goes to somebody else, and what if he says no? And this is the same thing I believe is happening every single moment of our day where God is trying to prompt us to get our attention, to give us direction, to go after the thing that matters most to him, and that's people. And oftentimes, we're too distracted, too busy, or too fearful, so we just say no, and then God goes to somebody else, and then God goes to somebody else, and God goes to somebody else, and what happens is when we as a community all start saying no, you know what happens? It's a breakdown, culture, breakdown of families, breakdown of our cities, our counties, our states, our country, our globe, and heaven doesn't become what God longs heaven to become. God wants to use you. And I hear seminary professors, I hear pastors, I hear Christ followers. They'll, they'll say this to me often. They'll, man, you know what? We'd be so much better if we had more Pauls in the church. But let's just be really honest. You don't get any more Pauls unless some Ananiases show up. And here's the truth. You all are everyday Ananiases. And every one of you can have these only God stories. And every one of you can live this invitational life. And all you need to know is try to live out these four promises. These four premises for how to live this invitational life. Number one, it's live. You live deep with Jesus. He is your rabbi. Devoted. Desire to be like Jesus. Two, you show up. You show up with expectancy because God's already there. Basketball language, heads on a swivel. You're just looking to see, does God want to use me here? Three, you show up for the sake of relationships, to, to relate with others. This has always ever only been about people, getting to know people, to know their stories, to know their ache, their struggle, learning to see how God wants to work and how redemption and restoration can make sense of their pain and their struggle. It's about people. And when you live, you show up, and you relate well, it gives you the best chance to risk it all for what matters most to God and to invite people in to the good news. And risk has become this acronym in our family. And I want to teach this to you. In the time remaining, I hope that you'll hand, like, hold on to this idea of risk. And the first is this, R, rescued people, rescue people. If you have received grace and you have got this story, God has given this story of grace to you for a reason. You're here because someone invited you. You're here because someone invited your family. You're here because someone invited someone, maybe your grandparent. And God did something through that legacy. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My mom put me in this little Christian school. When I was in seventh grade, there was a high school connected to the school. And there were these two juniors in high school. And there was something about them. They were the first Jesus people I ever saw. They, they were funny. They were fun. They were they like sports. There was just something different about them. I didn't know what it was, but I wanted what they had. Their names were Dominic and Nathan, but they went by the name Dominate, which is just so awesome. <laughs> and I remember playing basketball one day, and Dominic came up to me, and he goes, Hey, Carter, I didn't even know that he knew who I was. 
And I'm like, yeah, because I hadn't gone through puberty yet. And, like, and he goes, hey, uh, you want to learn how to dominate life? Greatest question anybody's ever asked me. You want to learn how to dominate life? And I said, yeah. And then they started picking me up from my home, picking me up after school. And they take me to In-N-Out. And if you've never been to In-N-Out, it's where heaven descends in burgerly form. And it's just amazing. <laughs> They started teaching me about Jesus, and within six, seven months, I'm getting baptized. And I have this moment where God changes me, and then, then I have Dominic telling me, hey, your parents don't go to church. It doesn't stop with you. you got to give this grace away. I was like, wow, how's that going to work? My senior year of high school, I get to baptize my mom. My sophomore year of college, I get to baptize my father. And God begins to work in some mighty and powerful ways. But somehow, something happens often is sometimes when we say yes to Jesus, we're fired up. And then there goes seasons where we just almost forget, almost put it on the back burner. Other things creep in. And there went for a season or two that I just kind of forgot about the importance of giving the grace away. I, my 10-year anniversary I had the privilege to go to Hawaii. I'd never been to Hawaii before. My wife and I saved up and we went to this place in the Pili Point. We're staying on this cove up on this cliff. To get to the water, you got to go through like three condo associations. And it's just crazy. It's low tide. You could stand there, have goggles on, see Finding Nemo underneath you, which is amazing. And twice a day, there'd be a sea change. Tide would change. I liked it because bigger waves and I could surf. But it, it, it was a little, little tricky, a little dangerous. And I remember we're grilling out and watching whales breach when all of a sudden I hear this woman scream, Help! And I just looked out and I could see big waves coming. I don't know what hit me. It's probably like the spirit of David Hasselhoff or something. And I just took off running. And I'm at this cliff and I'm like just running. I jump like one fence, another fence, another fence. And, and I'm thinking about my friends who were lifeguards in Southern California. And they'd pray every time they went to their tower, not on our watch. No one drowns on our watch. And I'm like praying that. Take my shirt off. I dive into that water and I'm just paddling and pushing. I get to this woman. I put her on my back. I kind of like ride a wave in. And I ended up like picking her up and she's not really like breathing. We put her down. I see her kids come. They're crying, thinking that they're losing her mom and we're able to resuscitate her and she like gets up and I'm just giant exhale. Random dude with the corona goes, dude, way to go, man. Saved her life. <laughs> and I'm feeling kind of good about myself and I just look up and I look from where I ran in the cliff and the cove and the condos and I look up and there's 40 to 50 people standing there with their arms folded watching. And in this moment, I feel God just speak to my heart. And he just said, you just ran like a wild man after someone that you don't even know her name. And yet, in your actual, real, day-to-day -day life, you know people who are drowning in addiction, drowning in anxiety, drowning in their finances, drowning in their marriage, drowning when it comes to matters of faith. And who are you more like? The man who's willing to risk it all or the people up on the cliff? And I just realized in that moment where I should have felt like, I saved a life, I felt like I had been missing moments for much of my life, standing with my arms folded. I went back to that room and I was just weepy and I got my Bible and started reading through the gospel and I saw time and again, time again, time again of just Jesus going after people. And this is what rescued people do. They rescue people. We don't, it doesn't stop with us. And for many of us, we've received grace and we stop 
reaching out to our friends. And I know some of you might be here going, Steve, you don't understand, you're probably an extrovert. Which they're saying, you probably like people. Um, and here's the thing, extroverts are really great because they can skim the surface and they've got a lot of people. But sometimes they don't understand the trust that they have. They can make an invite. If you're an extrovert, make an invite. But in, introverts are amazing. I'm married to one. And introverts go super deep. And they create some of the safest environments. And if you're an introvert, all I'm asking is maybe bring one person who is far from God, two people, and use the trust that you have and the safety that you're able to create and let them feel safe to share their story and invite them into your life and into the gospel. It's a game changer. Some of you might be sitting here going, Steve, but you don't understand. You probably have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Well, that's, that's okay. We can talk about that. You know that every spiritual gift leads to what? Jesus. <laughs> and I know, I know. Some of you are like, well, what do you mean? Well, hospitality. If you've got the gift of hospitality, that means you create safe and sacred environments for people to experience who? Jesus. You don't understand. I've got the gift of mercy. Yeah, you're the hands and feet of who? Jesus. I've got the gift of leadership. What does it mean? I take like all of heaven's values and I make them real here on earth so that people can understand what the kingdom that Jesus talked about is all about. Every spiritual gift leads to Jesus. So nobody's off the hook. Introverts, not off the hook. Extroverts, not off the hook. Spiritual gifts, not off the hook. You all have a story and rescue people, rescue people. But here's the thing. I, you're going to have invitational fails, which means you're going to invite someone and they're going to say no, which doesn't always feel great. It feels like a junior high dance all over again. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you go serve at like a soup kitchen and you invite someone to have a, a, a cup of soup, nobody ever says no. They're like, thank you for this. And sometimes we, we put so much on what somebody else will say. But what I try to do is I try to encourage people. No, no, no. What you're saying yes to is God's prompting. And build your faith to say yes to his promptings. And you know what? If somebody says no, okay. But let's be the people who celebrate that we were faithful to God's whispers. And who knows how God might use our faith in seasons or months to come in that person's life. And so we just started celebrating this. Let's go to the S. S is the, the big challenge for you. It's seven days. What does this mean? I want you to have an only God story every seven days. I want you to challenge yourself to have an only God story once a week. See, what's amazing is for many people, if you, if you talk to them, you go, man, tell me when God was really alive in your story. You know what they'll tell you? Well, 1998. God did some amazing things. 2003, God was on the move. 2007, it was incredible. And I'm like, that, that was like more than a decade ago. And some of us are living off the faith of years and years and years ago. And it's like we're on the retirement plan of living an invitational life. And we're coasting. And I'm here to tell you, if God is real and God is alive, God wants to use you. And can you imagine if you said, you know what, God, I want to tell stories of this week of how you've used me. If you did that in one year, you'd have 52 stories. In five years, you'd have 260. In 10 years, you'd have 520 only God stories. I went to college. And what's incredible is if you had that many stories, you would have such a profound faith. Your prayer life would be different. Your faith would be different. Because you would know God can do all things. 
God can do the impossible. Your faith would be so different. For many of us, we're like, we're just living off faith from so many years past. And here's the thing. If you don't have an only God story in one week, find someone who does and steal it. <laughs> it's amazing. God, God is working. God wants to use you. You just have to say, am I going to let him? Rescued people, rescued people. There's going to be invitational fails, but say yes to his, his whispers. Have an only God story every seven days, and every movement of God has started, K, when the saints were on their knees in prayer. And I love these altars. I love the fact that you have these moments where you just come and you're praying. You're praying that your friends, you're praying for the faces and the places for God to move. You're praying that God would do something in Eagle, Idaho, and Boise, you would be this church that welcomes people and teach them about Jesus and what good news and grace and truth is all about. I'll end with this story. When I was in college, I drove a 1983 Ford Country Squire station wagon limited edition. Yeah, yeah. Look at that, huh? Woody paneling, baby. You know what it meant? It meant I didn't have a date in, high in college. But here's the thing. I could, I could roll that car like this and I, I could fit three people here in the front row I could fit another four or five, depending on their size, in the second row. And then I had a, 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 like a table that popped up in the very far back. And there was a U-shaped where you could fit another four or five people, roll down the window, carbon monoxide would get us all high. It was crazy. <laughs> but I'm driving this car. And I remember I'm going to church by myself. And I worked at Pottery Barns, playing college basketball, worked at two bars. And, and I felt like God say, I gave you this car. You have so many seats in this car and you are going to church by yourself. And so I just started to pray. And I named the seats. Ike and Kenroy and Matt. I started to name the people in the second row from Pottery Barn and, and from Stubricks, the bar in Fullerton. I, just, I started naming these seats. I started praying. The most I ever got to, to go with me to church was six. And, and I remember a number of years later, I'm a, I'm a junior high pastor in Michigan. We have a big event coming up in two weeks. Our church, I mean, our, our ministry is about 250. I said, hey guys, here's the thing. You, you, you got a minivan that your mom drives you in? That's a gift from God. If there's empty seats, name them and pray for them. Your dad has a truck? That's a gift from God. Your sibling drives you in a Toyota Corolla? Gift from God. Name it and pray for it. And then, this is what happened. Two weeks later, I stood outside this massive event. I'd say about 93% of the seats of these cars were filled. I was blown away. Students I'd never seen their faces before getting out of the car. They're coming to church. The last car that shows up is this 1983 Ford Country Squire station wagon. His dad gets out, goes to the very far back and opens it up. And I kid you not, out of the back, kids are climbing out. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. It's not legal right now. 13, 14, <laughs> 15, 16. The last kid that pops out has got a beehive going due east. And he looks at me and goes, it's the miracle of the station wagon. And he rolls in. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. And within six months, eight of those 16 kids gave their life to Jesus and get baptized. And those eight plus the one kid who had the audacious faith to name the seats, to pray over them and take the risk, those nine start leading this movement on their middle school campus and 50 kids come to faith. 
And those 50 end up going to one of the most difficult high schools in all of Grand Rapids, and they don't show up as freshmen. They show up on a mission to start an uprising for Christ on their campus, and they do. And I pull it all the way back to one kid who's got a beehive going due east who is willing to take a risk. And I'm telling you what, friends, God can work through a middle school student. God can work through juniors in high school named Dominate. God can work, and you saw the trailer a couple weeks ago of a car salesman named Jose. God can work through commercial real estate agents. God can work through someone broken like me. God can work through a 21-year-old intern and a mute intern. God can work. And the question is, will you let him use you? Do you want an only God story? So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to stand. I invite you to respond. And Pastor Tim asked you at the beginning of this service, he said, hey, would you consider just praying for five people that maybe you'd have the courage to invite? I think it's a beautiful challenge. And here, here's, my, here's my challenge to you. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and if you connect with it, you can raise your hand. But how many of you Long to have an only God story this week. Show of hands. Yeah. How many of you have people in your life that you long and you desire that Christ would be at the center of their life? What if God wants to use you? What if Ananias said no? What happens when we say no? Can you imagine if we were a church filled with Disciples who said, yes. And I know, I know for some of you, there's fear right now. A sense of like, there's no way. There's no way that God could use me. We're going to sing this beautiful song. And it's an amazing song. And, and maybe for some of you, you want to come to the altar and just, just pray that God would give you that sense of courage. Maybe God would just kind of up your invitational living. I met someone named Lloyd here because someone at the beginning service, she said, I got to tell you, there was a guy 20 years ago came to my house, led me to Christ. He's coming to this service. You got to meet him. And I was like, that's amazing. I'm just sitting here going, someone said yes, and that's why you're here. And maybe God wants to do something as so many people are moving to this area to use us. So if you just want to come and say, man, God, give me more boldness. You want to be honest with the fear. Or maybe you want to pray for someone who's like, man, God, give me just the boldness to go invite them. Come down front. We're going to sing this song over you. And then Pastor Carly is going to come and close us. Feel free to respond however you see fit.